Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional rom-com aficionado and lover of Mikhail Harry, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have the doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, formerly known as Steve Timberland, resident old man Clark Barnes, and fantasy football's premier internet doctor, Larry Fitzgerald, lone admonisher and the second best Walter Sobchak, the ginger normalman, Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, Pete. Man, I missed the, the Walter Sobchak last time, dude. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I decided we're going to rotate. We've got a whole collection over the years of doing this podcast of, of intros, and we're going to rotate through them. Uh, years. Holy years. God. Years. This is our third year of this podcast. I'm, I'm such a rookie, dude. I'm only in my second season. Ugh, ugh. You got to get it slow. together. I mean, literally, that's not the definition of a rookie. A rookie is just your first year. So you that's how an experienced he is. Yeah, he's so inexperienced. He <laughs> <know> <laughs> he is. Oh, Nick. I'm basically Patrick Mahomes. You, you, Trubisky. Oh. Whichever one. Well, let our listeners decide which quarterback yeah. <laughs> better describes Nick's role on the podcast. <laughs> um. So, damn, it's a good thing we got our trade podcast out uh, just in the nick of time before we had a flurry of trades. And That some, was wild. That was absolutely absurd. It was really disheartening to publish the podcast Tuesday morning and then have literally hours after it went live, uh, Adam Schefter be like, oh, Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots. And you're like, well, I had Mohamed Sanu as a trade candidate, but not to the Patriots. So we... It, much like my DFS lineups got all of that stuff technically right, just not in the right order. Right. We knew who they, we knew which receivers were going to get traded. So we'll talk about those quickly before we get into our starts and sits. Uh, Mohamed Sanu went to the Patriots, was traded for a second round pick, which also is followed quickly by the news of Josh Gordon hitting the IR and possibly getting released when he's healthy. It seems like the Patriots are moving on from Josh Gordon. Uh, but the Sanu trade, I am a huge fan of this, both as a Patriots fan and as a Muhammad Sanu fan that I've kind of just like discovered myself being of recent years. Uh, he is a wildly productive receiver who is, we talked about him on, on Tuesday's podcast. I gave you all the insights. So if you want to hear exactly how great he is, you should go listen to that pod. But obviously I love this. The Patriots have needed, been in dire need of a wide receiver. And while he's not exactly the prototypical stretch the field go deep receiver that the Patriots have been lacking he is a super uh, uh, versatile receiver who they'll be able to use all over the field and I think that he's going to be he's going to quickly step in and, and be that number two receiver in New England and if you have him great and if you can get him get him because I think he is a lock for now a, a huge uptick in, uh, in usage. So I was listening to the the Roto World podcast today, and Ian Harditz was saying that he thinks 
heat that that Sanu will slide into the slot and kick Edelman. I guess Edelman's been lining up outside. I haven't been yeah. able to watch very many pass games this year. Yep. Um, does that seem right? Yeah. No, that's that He'll seems the slot man. Yeah, that'll be what happens. Edelman obviously can that's operate man. out of the slot, but he is he's Brady's most trusted receiver. And I think they like his ability to get open on those down route, those deep routes and hmm. which is, you know, surprising given his height, but they, they like his hands and his connection with Brady for back shoulder throws and whatnot. Um, and I think that Sanu in the slot, gives them a big body slot receiver that they've been, you know, looking for and also allows them to still, because if you think about it, I'm I'm curious. I don't know if this is for certain, but I'm curious to see whether or not they try to replicate some of the work that Gronk did across the middle with someone like Sanu, whereas yeah. obviously he's not going to be lining up from that tight end position, but lining up from the slot, you can still split the safeties going deep. You can do a lot of routes across the middle and just kind of operate in a space that Gronk used to take and be able to move that role to Sanu, and that might be why they're looking to have him in the slot. So 500 yards, 10 TDs. Basically, just a lock for it. Check it, check it, and no questions asked. Just a public service announcement. Uh, trying to predict exactly how the Patriots are going to use their players is kind of a fool's errand. They have a lot of no. personal wide receivers, <laughs> and I expect I expect them to all run routes from several different positions on the field. That's why I like Mohamed yeah, I reject Sanu. this. That's why I like Mohamed Sanu going to the Patriots. He is good, and someone who is good going to the Patriots can be amazing. <laughs> he's he's not great. He's uh, second round pick was maybe a little overpaying, but it's overpaying for something that you need when resources are scarce. So well bought, well sold, uh, and definitely a fantasy asset. I agree. Go get him. So they were trying to get him for a second uh, dirt, uh, before the draft. Yeah, they've been they've been on this train for a while now. It seems like as reports were coming out. It's just surprising me that they've been willing to give that pick up for so long. Like well, it wasn't necessarily. Belichick has a very were... checkered history with second round picks. Normally, he takes a cornerback that burns out in two years or hits well, IR. Normally, he's got plays. two or three of them, and three. one of them. And then hits he trades so you guys down. Continue your dynasty. Yeah. Did we? Did someone already use the "Don't snooze on this move" Ooh. by the Patriots? Because they can use that. Because because you're giving that out for free. Is, is the punny newscaster first. Clerk Burns out in a, and out and about right now? He never quits. The news He's never quits and, and never does Clerk Burns punny newscaster. That's right. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't. I wasn't. I was in the midst of cooking dinner when all the Josh Newton, Josh Gordon news hit. I don't know what I was trying to say there. It's combining Josh Gordon and news. But uh, when all that news hit, it seems like he's going on an IR because he has a bone bruise. But his camp is saying that he feels like he's actually going to be healthy relatively soon and that the Patriots are then, once he's off IR, going to release him. So it'll be interesting if he is healthy, if he does feel good, and if his body's like, I'll be curious to see where he goes because there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams out there. I'm looking primarily at like Philadelphia could certainly use another receiver who can get down the field and actually catch the ball looking at you, Nelson Aguilar. Um, so it'll be interesting if, if someone like Josh Gordon now hits the free agent market and sees where he could end up. Um, I'm baffled by the idea that this was a, a bone bruise. That's, that's been the new diagnosis because the, the mechanism was just him getting bent over backwards and the worry was for a meniscal tear. 
So let's see. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. I'd also like to not put it past the Patriots putting someone on IR for convenience. Yes. That's, that's, I mean, he may may be hurt. I don't know. No, it says, yeah. So this is from Ian Rappaport. Josh Gordon was placed on injured reserve today because of two bone bruises in his knee that he dealt with before the injury against the Giants. His time in New England is likely over as they are moving on. He'll be waived off IR when fully healthy. Okay. So all right. So yeah, that the the mechanism in that in the replay that we all saw where his right. leg looked like it exploded. That was not that didn't have anything to do with the injury. Those were sustained beforehand. So I mean, if he's if he's healthy, I mean, if he gets healthy and gets off IR in a couple of weeks and is then a free agent, something to something to keep eyes on for, something to watch for. If you're a Josh Gordon owner, maybe don't panic and drop him if you can hold on to him or panic and drop him and then pick him up keep eyes on him monitor him when he gets onto a team uh let's quickly talk about also because the other trade that went down that we correctly predicted the player but not the team even though we talked about the team a lot both nick and i had different receivers going to the 49ers but eventually it was emmanuel sanders who went to the 49ers for it was i think it was emmanuel sanders in a fifth for a third and a fourth um so the broncos trade uh, the asset that everyone thought was going to get traded to the 49ers who now get a much needed no- wide receiver number one clark i am in love with this trade emmanuel sanders has already shown this season that he, he can still put up good numbers and is still a very productive receiver and now he's in his basically own offense along with george kittle what do you think is in store for him and, and fantasy owners yeah, I think he's the number one. We wanted Dante Pettis to be the number one because he is a field stretcher and because the Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense makes one wide receiver incredibly viable, like what we saw with Andre Johnson, that play action game, that misdirection game is really good for just a plus athletic wide receiver. And the 49ers just haven't had that, unfortunately. We've seen Kittle absolutely eat in that offense and I think Manny Sanders is an immediate plug-in I think that uh, worst case scenario this weekend they're gonna have three play action passes where they just chuck it to Emmanuel Sanders and if he gets two of those he is uh, Marquise Goodwin plus uh, I, I think he finishes inside the top 20 at wide receivers this week I'm, I'm super optimistic even though he has almost no time to adjust because they can tell him, Hey, on this one, we just need you to go deep. Just, just run a deep route. And it's still a talented wide receiver. We were worried about him coming back from the Achilles tear. He showed this year. He's still very good. Much like Muhammad Sanu, like a, a C plus player going to a good opportunity. That's a, that's what we that's want a win. in fantasy this time of year. Yep. So Clark, I am shocked that this is your, your response. Uh, you were one of the first people that I thought of, when I saw the the trade news, and oh, I thank you, I, yeah, man. <laughs> well, because because of the way that you discussed, I mean, namely Juju Smith Schuster stepping into a new role, but we also touched on players moving, uh, wide receivers specifically moving to new teams during the offseason. That's historically something that's very difficult to do. It's why we were so impressed with what Amari Cooper did last year in season switching teams. Um, I really don't know what to make of this. I, I I think that the that the situation is great. I mean, he has he has no competition outside of George Kittle. Nothing, he, everyone's either banged up or hasn't panned out at this point. But that long history of it being really challenging to switch teams uh, and and not have a a full year under your belt in the new system to to learn, um, it just hasn't played out well. So I, I'm really caught between trying to. Uh, trust history or, or talent 
Um, but yeah, Clark, I, I totally thought you would you would uh, advise caution on this one. No, I, I just decided to be optimistic on this one. I think that the route tree for <laughs> wide receivers in that offense is relatively simple. They run a lot of long, deep crossers and a lot of kind of uh, stop and go, double move type routes. And, I, and and like you said, there's there's so much opportunity in San Francisco. We were high on uh, several shots in the dark at wide receiver, and they just haven't panned out. Um, your counter argument, or the not counter argument, but the Double other side of kid. the coin is it's it's difficult for a wide receiver to do this. And very scientifically, I have just decided that I'm going to go for it with Sanders. It's a variable that's not going to be in play here. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Take it out of there. <laughs> we had to pick. It's a, it's a podcast. So yeah, you pick one and you go. Yeah. It's not sports yelling if you don't yell. <laughs> this yeah, definitely, this <sighs> regardless, regardless of what eventually happens with Emmanuel Sanders in terms of his value. This is an uptick for Jimmy G in my opinion, in terms of fantasy value going forward, just because he now has, there's another weapon outside of George Kittle. And hopefully it means that there's going to be a slight uptick in the passing game because now there's like actually other targets to throw the ball to. I, I, as the, Patriots have been often linked to or were certainly linked to Emmanuel Sanders when he hit free agency before he signed with the uh, with the Broncos. I've long been a proponent for Emmanuel Sanders and I'm glad that he's healthy and it looks like the injury has had no ill effect on him and I'm glad that both he was able to get a team that will successfully use him where he is on his own and second that it frees up Cortland Sutton to now be the dominant do-it-all receiver in Denver which is just beautiful. Um so, uh, so I'm a, I love this trade. So I watch TV, like standard TV, probably about five times a year. And the Astros are in the world series. For those of you who don't follow the baseball, uh, I didn't know that there was a Budweiser uh, commercial with bubbles from the wire in it. So, so job, Budweiser. the more, you know, yeah, there you go. Well, breaking news. Nick, you look like you don't know who Bubbles Nick from is very the Wire is, so I know what I, I'm getting you for Christmas. I'm familiar <laughs> with Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, and when you said Bubbles and then ended it with The Wire, I went... Different, different very Bubbles. Different, very different Bubbles. Yeah. Very different show, in fact. I got to meet like, Bubbles, like the good one, from Trailer Park Boys. We did tequila shots together. The good one? Ooh. Okay, they're both good. <laughs> we don't have Multiple to, things can just, be good, Nicholas. Yes. For instance, a limited there could be, amount of there could be lots of good bubbles. And for instance, when Clark said bubbles, first person that popped in my head was bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. Also a very successful bubbles. There are many good bubbles out there. Yeah, Clark, let's just agree to edge him out. And I host this damn show. I feel like I, I vote for that and you democracy is dying. So dare try to replace <laughs> me. I will replace all of you. I'm surrounded by saboteurs. Uh, should we get to week eight certain sets? Yeah, let's do the actual show. Let's do let's uh let's do some fantasy advice and uh, and shit like that. Clark, why don't you start us off? What's the first game that you are going to be watching today or this weekend? Uh, so I know that we just witnessed the death of the New York Jets last week. They are going to come storming back against the uh, dead and dying Jacksonville Jaguars led by the wonderfully mustachioed Gardner Minshew. So we have starts all over the place. Uh, everyone that you got excited about uh, before the Patriots came to town with uh, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, uh, 
Sam, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is going to have a good game. So all those guys are stars. Gardner Minshew, DJ Chark comes back and finally starts producing again. I think that this is going to be a case of two not very good teams really lighting it up. So I'm start, start, start. Uh, if for some reason I, I had to do a sit because those are the rules I, I did, I cheated and did the Jags and Jets DSC. Look at you. Yeah. Giving that sound advice. You're not worried about Sam Darnold seeing uh, ghost Jalen Ramsey's ghost on the field? No, the Patriots are very good. And Bill Belichick is very good at coaching. And, you know, young quarterback had a bad game. I know that we just want to anoint everybody that has a good game as the best person to ever play the game every week, because otherwise sports yelling shows would have nothing to talk about. But he's a good quarterback. He had a really crappy game against the Patriots who are very good. So he'll bounce back this week. Yeah, this is a fire the cannons match, man. I I love it. Um, start, start him if you got him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an easy play. Nick, what's a game that you're watching? A game that I will be advising and oh. probably not watching much of is good clarification. Uh, good clarification. Yeah, Washington at Minnesota. Um, and the start. So I, uh, you know, we we try to to find someone who maybe people will be nervous to start. Um, Terry McLaurin. We're we're going to start him this week. He, I'm looking at him as a high floor wide receiver too. And uh, he, he's got some upside to him in this one. Uh, an interesting development that seems to have occurred when uh, when facing the Vikings defense. They basically allow one awesome receiver every week. They, they've uh, they've been able to limit quarterback play overall, fantasy wise. But um, Darius Slayton, Alshon Jeffrey, Dan, Danny Amendola, and Marvin Jones. Uh, that's over uh, the last three weeks or something. Um, all cleared either 100 yards or scored. Uh, I think we all know that if that's going to happen on the Washington football team, that's going to be Terry McLaurin, who's just going to, he's, you know, he's probably going to get 12 targets this week. So uh, stick with him. I know that on paper it might seem a little bit scary, but they are uh, giving up really, really solid wide receiver production to at least one guy. And if it's going to be someone, it's going to be Terry McLaurin. Yeah. The, uh, the Minnesota Vikings secondary that was once like, revered and and was a a fantasy hellhole is certainly not been that this year they've been giving up i think what let me let me check let me look at my notes right in front of me one two three four five six the six most fantasy points to wide receivers this year which uh and xavier Rhodes has been toasted Rhodes open i'm wide open it's it's not i i said uh in that initial thing that uh that it was every uh over the last two or three games no it's i'm sorry Every game this year, they have allowed one person uh, or more to sledgehammer them. Yeah, um, and that's and you're right. The only person in that passing game who it's going to be is Terry McLaurin. The only way Terry McLaurin yeah. does not get you 100 yards and a viable fantasy game this week is if the Washington Breadsticks decide that their offense is Adrian Peterson gets 300 carries and they don't throw the football. So I have tentatively in a standard scoring league Devonte parker over terry mclaurin and Ooh. just so that people know how serious i take the advice on this show i'm making that change right now mclaurin's back in there you go that is Thanks, commitment nick. that is commitment that good nugget good l- hey <laughs> nick's producing good nugs <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. The first team I'm going to be our first game I'm talking about is the New York Giants at Detroit. Uh, and don't worry about Marvin Jones's big game last week. It's still Kenny Galladay's offense. And as such, you should be starting him with confidence uh, this week, still averaging 7.8 targets per game. We know that the Giants secondary is 
absolutely awful and has given up huge games to wide receivers throughout the season. They've allowed the fourth most uh, yards to receivers so far this year. With Carryon Johnson hitting IR, I would expect the Lions to be not super pass happy, but a little more pass happy than they have been in the past. Uh, I broke trend with uh, Matthias, who does our, our wide receiver rankings on fake teams. He had other things going on, other obligations going on. So I took over and did a spot start and did my wide receiver rankings for him this week. I have uh, Kenny Galladay as my wide receiver eight uh, ahead of Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Mike Evans this week. So I have the utmost confidence that he'll put together. He will rebound from a game where many people are going to be like, oh no, has his spot taken, you know, been replaced by Marvin Jones? No, nope, no. Nope. Have full confidence. Kenny Galladay is going to eat. I agree completely. Uh, Matt yeah, Stafford is one. a good, uh, likely available yes. QB spot starter for those of you Dak Prescott sufferers like myself. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, and the Giants secondary has been roasted. And I also think, I, like, I if you got Ty Johnson off waivers and you want to start him, go for it. I don't think that that's a bad play. But I do think that they might be, I mean, think of this Lions team in the past. This Lions team only recently, only under Matt Patricia's uh, donkey brain, as Nick would lovingly put it, has become like decided to be a run first offense. This, this team is built to throw the football, given their quarterback, given their wide receivers, given the offensive scheme that they've often had. So I'm just, I'm betting on without their, you know, number one running back that they're going to pass it a little bit more and put the ball in Matty Stafford's hands uh, for them to win it. And Kenny Galladay is going to, going to eat. So uh, when quarterbacks do well, so do running backs because they'll close out the game for them. Uh, so I, I echo your, uh, your embrace of the Lions passing game. I've got Matt Stafford as my quarterback five this week. And I've got uh, Ty Johnson as the running back 18, which I think is pretty damn respectable for a guy that we all just picked up off the waiver wire. Uh, and yeah, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, fire them both up. He went for $600 out of a $1,000 fab. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I was shocked. Over the guy who uh, likes to pick up trash off of the waiver wire and then bundle them in trades and uh, in my league continue continue to, to this, bite but it's yeah so that's, that's yeah a lot. i had a very similar experience clark i i either got him for like next to nothing i i do when i every week i have like 10 to 20 waiver claims per team it takes a long time but i either got him for next to nothing or people were blowing 60 70 percent of their fab budgets damn shocking yeah <laughs> i uh I just got a notification on my phone this afternoon where there's like someone in my league made a free, you know, waiver wire move. And I went to check it and it really crushed me to see that we had, it's a, it's a small league that with just friends of mine from growing up, uh, he'd got Emmanuel Sanders for free because no one had been paying attention. And I was just like, this sucks. This is annoying. Perhaps related to my stance on Emmanuel Sanders is going to be good. I am heavily invested in Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking it into the universe. I think I've gotten to the bottom of it. Yeah. You've, you figured it out. You've cracked the code, code Clark. Uh, give us your second team that your second game that you're looking at, Clark. So I think this one's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Carolina and San Francisco. So we talked about this earlier. We'll make it quick. Emmanuel Sanders is a start. I think he's a top 20 wide receiver. I just I don't think that he has to get a ton of targets or do very complex things to, to have a good week. Uh, and I want it to happen. Uh, San Francisco's defense is 
starting to play well against some good opponents. I don't mean from last week, but they're just, turns out they're, I think they're pretty good. Uh, so I think you got to sit DJ more this week. I don't know if anyone's going to have time to throw the ball, whether it be Cam Newton or the better quarterback down there in Carolina. I don't think you can get away from Christian McCaffrey, of course, but uh, DJ Moore is a step for me. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to start DJ Moore this week. I just traded for him because he's been one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy this year. Uh, and it's I'm having a real hard time trying to figure out whether or not I want to start or sit him. I mean, I would break ties <laughs> against DJ Moore, I think is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, no, if you have some no, good no, Clark, options, Clark, I would start. Okay. You know what? The pitch you made, he's now on my bench. I'm benching him, and if it's a and if it's a problem, hey, I only have myself to blame because you put the information out there. I internalized it. I made my own decision. So making sure that we talk about when we were right, and then just sweep when we were wrong under, under the, the rug. rug. I started Emmanuel Sanders over Terry McLaurin last week, uh, despite the results of the Twitter poll. So who's the smart one now? This guy. So I was going to argue the uh, the Emmanuel Sanders start, but then I looked through Carolina's uh, opposing receiver statistics, and um, yeah, I endorse this message. Holy crap, they have been getting hammered by receivers. Yeah, they've there. It's a good and again, like I think Clark hit the nail on the head, where it's like you're not expecting Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is not going to come into this offense and get 15 targets and 10 catches for 120 yards. Emmanuel Sanders is going to get four targets he's going to catch two of those for 80 yards one of them might be a touchdown like that's i that's what i would expect from him and that's still a viable fantasy start nicholas second game that you are uh, talking about so this i'm basically treating this guy like a yo-yo at this point and i'm sure he's not going to be pleased if he finds out but we're starting dk metcalf again this week in the seattle seahawks at atlanta falcons matchup sorry the dog is going crazy right next to me oh my knock it off um that's another dog cameo for everybody there. Um, yeah, the Atlanta Falcons defense cannot stop anything. I think that uh, – I, I don't know if we really have to even discuss this, but they're the worst defense in football. Is there – anyone have an issue with – no, yeah. No, that's, um, that is a fair assessment, Nicholas. Yeah, so they are they are so bad that Nelson Aguilar – How uh, bad in, are they? So bad. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was supposed to say. No, um, you just continue with the statement. Have you never? That's okay. a, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's okay. It's okay. okay. I'm not. Continue. I don't continue. make any jokes. Continue. Nelson Aguilar, AJ Brown, and Will Fuller all have posted season highs. Um, so in in three of the games that they have played, they have allowed a receiver to go for the best game of 2019. Uh, DK Metcalf. And, and let's keep in mind those are downfield targets or they were being used as downfield receivers. So Aguilar caught eight of 11 balls for 170 yards in a score. AJ Brown, three of three for 94 and two touchdowns. Will Fuller for 217 yards and three TDs. And he left two on the field, if we will recall. So DK Metcalf, I've got him as a rock solid wide receiver too with very high end wide receiver two upside. So DK Metcalf going for 300 yards and five touchdowns. Nick's locking it in. Yeah, he's going to do what Will Fuller couldn't burn will fuller i love it any any positive dk metcalf news especially from someone embedded in the seattle area i am for yeah man we, there's been some chatter starting about us adding josh gordon and it's like oh my god you guys really want to see this i want to see four Ooh. targets per game to josh gordon Saucy. That, that's gonna get you going that's, that's we're gonna ask him is. to block you guys oh, we're gonna carol's all about that shit he's gonna be playing special teams like mm, Pete loves him. <laughs> god 
Uh, next game I'm talking about, I'd be really excited for this game. It's the Cleveland Browns versus the New England Patriots. I'd be really excited for this game if the Browns offense had shown any signs of life this season. Uh, but since they're facing a Patriots defense, that's the best defense in the history of the NFL. I don't really have the highest hopes that, uh, that anything is, that this is the week that the Browns offense suddenly magically gets fixed. And because of that, I have no faith in Odell Beckham. I'm benching him this week. Uh, he's my wide receiver 21 in my rankings. So I'm confidently starting John Brown versus the Eagles Juju against Miami, scary Terry, who we've talked about all over him with extreme confidence. It's just, we've seen the Stefan Gilmore treatment too much this season. And you can talk about whatever you want about, Oh, they've been playing only shitty offenses. Yes, that's understandable. But everyone in there is a professional football player, and Gilmore has gone up against them and completely shut them down and erased them. And so I'm not, I'm not putting Odell in my lineup, expecting him this to be the week that not only does he get back on track with the Browns offense, but he's the one who breaks Stephon Gilmore. So that's not happened. Um, and if you guys want to start from this game, it feels really gross. But I guess I'm starting Sony Michelle because he's now had three good games in a row uh, and the Browns are allowing the eighth most yards and points to running backs. So I guess fire up Sony Michelle, which is not words I wanted to say this year. It's guessing how the game is going to go, but it's a pretty safe bet that the Patriots are going to be in control of this one. And when the Patriots have been in control, Sony Michelle has looked good uh, outside of, Bill Belichick seemingly intentionally pulling him out at the goal line <laughs> at times. So I like it. And I, I'm really vacillating between Odell being a not bold sit call, but then my brain being like, it's Odell Beckham Jr. You play him. And it's like, I don't think that I would this week. I so th- I, I yeah. Like it. Yeah. I just, I, you, luckily I traded him away uh, two weeks ago. So I don't have to deal with this dilemma anymore, but it was a dilemma that I had through the start of the season as to being like, realistically, do I start Odell? Do I risk him getting me just like three points? Yeah. So I, I would say you continue to start Odell Beckham Jr. Because uh, he's a hall of famer and you probably don't have a better option unless you were like early on the DJ Chark train, like picking him up and you, you have a, a serious wide receiver one to replace him with. Uh, I would not suggest benching him but as far as the hesitancy to start sony michelle the dude's had three great games in a row go for it like i know it's just the, i the pat's offense i just feel gross saying it because i have built a, a house on the sony michelle isn't worth your fantasy time hill and and that house is having to go for sale right now the hill is becoming uh very uninhabitable and it's upsetting he's i love that home i built a really RB nice home 15 right now so, yeah. well, that's a good home, man. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was a nice house and now I got to leave it and it's just a whole ordeal. It's just a whole process. Awesome. The shift in baseball really irritates me. <laughs> I, I don't know why these guys can't like push bunt to third base and defeat this. Harsh words from Clark Barnes. On, on with the show. On with the show. Uh, actually, well, we'll first, before we move on with the show, we'll take a quick ad break. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back with more Week 8 starts and sits. Clark, give us uh, your third game that you are going to be talking about. So we probably have uh, whoever CBS thinks is their worst announcer crew. We are going to find out this week because they're going to be calling the <laughs> Oakland Raiders at the Houston Texans game this week. It'll probably be Dan Fouts again for some reason. We get blessed with his call weekly as Texans fans. Uh, so we've got a top 10 wide receiver this week going for the Texans in Kenny Stills. And Darren Fells, I think, is the top is a top five tight end. Uh, he is a tight end for the Texans, who none of you have probably heard of unless you're uh, listeners to this show. We've been telling you to pick him up for weeks now. And I think a sit for this one, if you can get away from it, is Josh Jacobs. The Texans are eighth in fewest points given up to, to running backs, and uh, that's after getting absolutely crushed by Christian McCaffrey and having Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara have some pretty good games against them. So uh, they've done pretty well against the run. Uh, Yeah. Especially since Josh Jacobs just showed up. uh, He missed practice today, which I ultimately, I don't think will be anything major. It's probably just a rest (laughs) and precautionary thing, but something to monitor, especially if he doesn't play, then I'm a genius. Then then you hit the nail right on the head. It's a shoulder injury, and he missed a little bit of time in the game last week. Um, well, you know what? At least it's not nice, today. Uh, a wrist or lower body or whatever right. the joke is. It's not is. a leg injury. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, so, it, no, it's, it's noteworthy. We, we definitely need to see him get in at least limited participation in practice this week. But it, it's, it's definitely it's concerning. I love it. And I love the Kenny Still. Love the Kenny Still play. In fact, I think yes. he's the guy who I'm going to replace uh, DJ Moore with in my lineup. Since you've you've talked me into both of these moves, Clark, this is expert opinions that I am respecting and taking. This is why you listen to the podcast. Nick, what's the third game that you are talking about this week? I'm lagging Clark smile over there. First off, but oh, we're just um, so beautiful. Look at how happy he so, is. Are the Astros winning, Clark? It's tied. Oh. Uh, so uh, another non sequitur. There's apparently a Cheetos Sunday that the Knicks are going to be selling. And at first, I thought that's disgusting, and then I really thought about it, and I thought, is it? And then you thought about it, and you're like, that's the most Knicks thing in the world to be selling a Cheetos Sunday, thinking that this is a great idea. Just like signing really 15 right. power forwards salty, was the great idea. Salty and sweet is good. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. Who's to say? What's cheese? It's not, I mean, it's basically salt. It's just a stick of salt in a milkshake. I'm grossed out. Anyway, we're moving on. So moving on. for this one, this next team was really tough to, to highlight someone to start or sit. 
uh, Broncos at Colts. What I ended up landing on is is Cortland Sutton. And I know that this is probably kind of a no-brainer, but I think some people will be concerned with the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is gone and they're going to be wondering, does that mean uh, more uh, tight coverage for Cortland Sutton? And and yeah, he's, he's going to have more, uh, more attention given to him. But at the end of the day, uh, fantasy, what we care about is opportunity. And with the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton's opportunity is only going up. And it is always important to pay attention to matchups and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if he's getting like three more targets, that's big. He was already a rock solid wide receiver too, basically regardless of matchup. Emmanuel Sanders' departure really only raises his ceiling and his floor. So uh, don't don't fear. Go uh, start Cortland Sutton. I like it. And I would like to take time to apologize to Pete, who tried to warn us several years ago several weeks ago, that Cortland Sutton Felt like years was ago. <laughs> indeed fantastic and has proven to be fine. And now, Nick, <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, is going to have extra work. And it's not as though a number two is stepping into the number one role. He was already clearly the lead dog there, and this will just be more opportunity for him. Uh, it doesn't matter if the Broncos lose and he gets 110 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, really, really good move for Clark, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate the apology of the Pete said that he's going to be great and he's been all right. So I'm sorry so for whatever that's <laughs> he so so coming into the, the actual draft, Josh Norris graded him as basically like his ceiling was to was being a really talented number two receiver on a team, and I think that that's still probably the case. But when you're getting the the usage of like elite wide receiver one. Uh, numbers then that yeah he's he's gonna hit that wide receiver one two borderline regardless uh and i think most of our hesitancy towards Cortland Sutton because i was like no fucking way it's Joe Flacco but hey 13 Joe Flacco balls something's gonna happen something's you get you either get pi or or you get a catch there's no in between with with Flacco balls um yeah, and the, and you were saying, Nick, I mean, obviously volume is king, but it also helps. He's going up against the Colts have allowed the 11th most points to wide receivers so far this season. So it's not like he's going up against a defense that's going to completely erase him or shut him down. And this is going to be uh, a defense that he can exploit, and there are going to be big plays there for him to make. And he's been showing that he can make big plays out of pretty much anything that Flacco throws his way. So I, I would love him to have a big game. Yeah, um, I uh, well, again, we, we just basically said it, that that – the defense doesn't totally matter in this. It is noteworthy that Malik Hooker is expected to return this week. Uh, the the Colts secondary has been a little bit banged up, but I, I don't mean to pour water on everything I just said. Sorry, the dog's going nuts over there. Um, start Cortland Sutton. With confidence. I like it. Uh, third game I want to talk about is the Philadelphia Eagles heading to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And in my book, this is a must-win game for Philly if they're going to want to do anything of substance this season. And it's going to be tough against a Bills defense that is one of the best in the league, especially in their secondary. The passing game is going to have a hard time against the Bills. They've been struggling already this year. Uh, And as such, I am saying you sit Zach Ertz this week. He's coming off two bad games, and it's not going to get easier for him. The Bills are allowing the second fewest points to tight ends and have still only them and the Patriots are the only two defenses that have yet to allow a, touch, a touchdown to tight ends. 
I don't know, like, I didn't do tight end rankings, so I don't know where Heath will have him. You can look at faketeams.com for that. I understand it feels dirty to not start him because you got him as a top three tight end, but he has not been performing like that recently. Maybe there's someone you can go snag off waivers to do a spot start, or at the very least, if you're going to start Zach Ertz, like, start him with the anticipation that he might put up another stinker. It's interesting, man. Um, I, I'm just trying to look through like what 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 kind of a player do you think you would be comfortable rolling with in replacement of him? Because I don't know that there's anyone who can match his expected target volume. Let me take a gander. I, what's funny is it might even be Dallas Goddard. Like he he's mm. he's been starting to get a yeah. little more work uh, as of late, and um, yeah, a speculative ad. Uh, might be worthwhile. I, I don't. I just don't know who you would would replace him with. I, I am on board for the like. Mm, that's kind of tough against the the Bills defense, but I am having a difficult time identifying someone like. I mean, I would I would start I would start Eric Ebron over him, uh, okay. going up against Denver. I would think about maybe throwing Jimmy Graham against Kansas City out there. We've seen that passing attack. And I'll touch on this game, too, because this is a spoiler alert, my fourth game. Okay. Uh, but we can talk about that in a little bit. Vance McDonald against the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are just hot trash. So, and I, you know, I'm trying to think of names that you could might be able to find still on the waiver wire. Clark's Darren Fells. I mean, versus Oakland. I think those are I, I think those are some names. It's again, you're not there's no one who's likely available on the waiver wire who has a low, you know, a low owner percentage that you're going to be a hundred percent confident because it's Zach Ertz. I just, he hasn't been, he hasn't been the number one go-to target that he has been in the past for the Eagles and for Carson Wentz. And this whole passing game has been suffering. And so I don't like any of their chances really against a Buffalo's team, Buffalo defense that is pretty stout in the secondary and has been shutting down tight ends all year long. All right, so we can we move on after this. I did find two names, though, who are low-owned. Uh, Chris Herndon somehow is still only 31% owned, and he returned to practice today in a limited fashion. Jared Cook uh, did not practice today, so you need to continue to monitor the practice report. But uh, he is 58% owned, which is, you know, it's a little over the, the threshold there, but it's still noteworthy. Um, but the, the Cardinals have been getting flamed by opposing tight ends. So uh, you, you could do much worse than, than Jared Cook. Anyway, well you, could also get, talk. well, you can also get Josh Hill, too, who's the Saints tight end, who scored a touchdown last week against the Bears. He had three catches for like 30 yards and a touchdown last week. So if Cook is out, you might, he might be mm-hmm. another spot start against, again, a Cardinals defense that's hot trash. Clark, let's hear your fourth game that you're uh, talking about this week. So this is... Miami at Pittsburgh. I feel like uh, I don't want to steal the thunder, but this is a start every one game. Both of these teams uh, not fantastic on defense. Pittsburgh looking pretty good with their rookie linebacker, whose name is escaping me. Of course, when it's my turn to talk. Thank you very much. You're uh, but I think either Fitzpatrick or Rosen is going to chuck it. Uh, Mason Rudolph has looked okay, at least good enough to throw the ball towards Juju Smith-Schuster 15 times and maybe deep once or twice, a good get-right game for James Conner. I feel like this is pretty much a, a – I feel like I'd even throw Kenyon Drake out there in this game if I was desperate on the buys. If he's still uh, on, probably, on the team. Right, yeah, monitor that situation closely. Uh, but, like, as a what-the-heck flex to steal a line from the football guys. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a big one. I just moved Devontae Parker out of my lineup for Terry McLaurin. Uh, 
full so now, disclosure. So now we're going to, we're going to talk you into putting Devonte Parker back in your lineup. No, I've, I've decided <laughs> I may change my mind, no, but not. only once. <laughs> No, I think that's, I think Terry McLaurin is the better player over Devonte, but I don't think that Devonte is not going to have better player, sir. Is well, a better play. Insignificant better sometimes play. in fantasy. Okay. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Better play. No, I would never say anything bad about Devonte Parker to you, Clark. I know, I know that you love him too. Well, I mean, that would just be only, me. only during the regular season. Do I hop on board? It's because there's no postseason for Devontae. No Devontae Parker uh, preseason love for me. I, I mm. wait until it's the real thing. <laughs> Gotta wait for the real thing. Fair. Yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty uh, concerned starting Kenyon Drake. If anybody, I'm probably taking a flyer on Mark Walton. But I, like, if possible, I'm just avoiding starting Miami players. I, part of that is just that the coaching staff is not trying to win, so they're not actually calling plays. So successful plays the field. yeah um but i i can definitely get on board with with starting some Steelers and and definitely james connor yeah. he's gonna pop off this week it's uh it's interesting that i'm looking at i'm looking at some stats and information right now it's interesting that the miami dolphins and this just tells you how bad this pass defense is miami dolphins are giving up the 21st fewest points. So that's a horrible way of saying it, but I didn't want to do math quickly in my head. They're giving up a shitload of points to fantasy points to wide receivers. They've given up the most tied for the most touchdowns to fantasy to wide receivers, despite the fact that they've given up the fewest targets and the third one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh fewest yards to wide receivers. So they're not giving up yardage, but they're giving up a shit ton of touchdowns. So make of that what you will. Uh, but I think this is a great game for Juju to get right. That I think if you Juju hasn't been able to produce, and that's because he's been going through quarterbacks like they were going out of style. Hopefully Mason Rudolph is a conscious human being for this game and has remembered how to function and play the game of football after he more or less died on the field. Um, but I would like, I like this game for Juju to get right and to return to being a solid RB, uh, wide receiver too for you. And as a 100% speculative ad, uh, I had a roster spot because Josh Gordon, may he rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went up and picked Benny Snell up. Uh, it's a guy who will get the work if Connor goes down. If you take enough shots like that, sometimes you get the Chase Edmonds a week or two before everyone starts looking for him. So don't drop anybody good. But if you just have the burning roster spot, Connor should get work and, you know, running back is an incredibly violent position. So go get yeah. your clear backup. I like that call too. Nick, what's the uh, final game you're talking about this week? All right. Uh, last one for me is the Bucks at the Titans. And you are going to start uh, Ryan Tanhill at quarterback if you are in need of one. The uh, so last week he actually showed very well. He posted 312 yards, two TDs, uh, one interception. That's pretty good coming off the bench. He had five wonderful scrambles for seven yards. Uh, but the the Bucks pass defense has allowed uh, yardage totals. Let's see here. Three of three of their uh, six quarterbacks they face have gone over. 300 yards or four of them have gone over 300 yards one of them jared goff going for over 500 yards you know that game was a little crazy but i if memory serves that was actually within four quarters that didn't go to overtime um yes yeah which was weird but you know daniel jones had his breakout party against this defense uh if there's a time to start ryan Tannehill, it is now and by extension i would feel 
surprisingly comfortable flexing both Corey Davis and AJ Brown. I think they've got wide receiver two upside. Yeah. And of course, start Derrick Henry. Of course you play Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, no, I was actually, if you weren't going to mention it, I was a hundred, I was going to be like Ryan Tannehill. If you need a spot start at quarterback, he is your guy because he's going to be available in every single league, even the deepest of leagues. He's still going to be available. Uh, and he's playing such a great matchup and looked good. He looked competent at the very least and was hitting his reads and was, you know, being able to move the football effectively. And he's got, we've been saying this the whole time. He's got two good receivers. It's not like AJ Brown and Corey Davis are scrubs outside. Like they are very good receivers who he has throwing the football to. So I think there's a lot that could happen for this Titans offense. That could be uh, rather intriguing moving forward against after they, uh, they tool on a very piss poor defense in Tampa Bay. I think I think Tannehill is just a little bit more accurate in the short to intermediate area, and they can kind of count on him. And not to say, he, I mean, he was he was slinging it downfield last week, but I, I think that what he will bring to this offense is stability. I think that uh, Marcus Mariota's errant throws really kind of threw off the uh, our ability to assess what projected workloads would result in, and I think Ryan Tannehill will will help us uh, identify potential outcomes a bit more clear, uh, but. I, I just wish they'd give Derrick Henry more screen passes because that 75-yard one was so damn fun. Anyway, maybe uh, it'll come enough this week. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. We said last week Tannehill is slightly better than Mariota, and he's going to turn this offense into a functional offense. And what happened? Uh, the, that rising tide is going to lift all boats. And, boy, what a matchup. Uh, what a match yeah so i i just agree completely <laughs> yep uh all right last game we're going to talk about could be the game of the week should be the game of the week in fact becca just told me it got flexed to being the sunday night football game of the week uh but it sucks that there's no healthy patrick mahomes in it green bay packers versus the kansas city chiefs why why is it being flexed yeah well because did you see reports? does the nfl not watch the nfl did you see reports that uh, that Patrick Mahomes is now practicing and Andy Reid says he might play less than a week after dislocating his fucking kneecap? So the doctor's got something to say about this. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of just building off of uh, what looks like Aaron Rodgers returning to form. I swear to God, okay, if fine. Andy Reid ruins Patrick Mahomes, I will end something. I- yeah, I don't think that they would play. So the, the issue with pick, the, pick, whatever, with, pick whatever it is, I'll end it. The, the issue with um, returning to play so quickly. So what sucks about patellar tendon dislocations is that once you have one, you are at a hugely significant or a hugely uh, increased uh, risk of of having it happen again. Um, so he he might just have to play with a a neat yeah oh, Clark. Clarky special sorry Bob personal yeah. story. Yeah, I mean I often compare myself athletically to Patrick Mahomes. So Makes very sense. much one-to-one comparison, but yes, once that happens, it's going to happen again. Yeah. So he's probably gonna have to play with an e-brace or I, I am assuming that, which, well, which is too bad, but um, yeah, but the, the, the main issue coming back quickly is not the risk of a, a uh, doing any damage to the kneecap. It is in his case. And, and in most cases, I believe it's the, the, um, uh, femoral patella either I can't recall if it's a ligament or just soft tissue but it's basically the, the soft tissue or ligament non-bone connector between your quad and uh, and uh, femur and the kneecap and basically you can't dislocate the kneecap without 
tearing that to some degree and or you know spraining that as, yeah, as you might yeah, say yeah, um yeah. so the soft tissue above the knee has to recover and if you roll him back out there that could get damaged in a way that would be very bad so he needs to take this three weeks um off and i i fully expect him to do so but i yeah, Clark, I'll pass it over in, in, in one second here. I, I can totally see the reason for Andy Reid to say, well, he's practicing. I swear to God, Andy Reid. So I hate to be chicken little here, but I think three weeks is an incredibly unreasonable timeline and that the conversation has shifted to three weeks being the patient approach just, just baffles me. This is a very serious injury. And Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback who may be your franchise quarterback for 15 years I just don't see any use in rushing him back this is just the people get too excited about what is directly in front of them and I know that the Chiefs have a good team but they're not going to win the fucking Super Bowl so shut him down you just yep. their defense is yep. terrible they're getting injured all across the offensive line it's just not going to happen and, and so so why would you rush a player like that back uh, and, and not just it might not just happen again. Like you can have a very serious injury in that area because the area is already so sensitive. I just, I, I'm just baffled that the conversation has become that uh, the three weeks is the reasonable timeline. It just, no, uh, no Andy Reid, no. Do you guys want to hear so, a start for this game? <laughs> yeah, Clark, I just want to say Dr. Chow has your back and he has been advocating for surgery and shutting down for the season. Nick. See, smart man. Nick, yeah. Nick, if you are going to establish yourself as the go-to source for injury news on the internet, you need to stop referencing other guys in the business and tell okay. them that they are doing a poor job and that it's you who you you are the person everyone needs to go to for your sources. Nick Bonifert does the news. Sure. Nick Bonifert knows who's injured. Maybe, gonna, maybe he could be an aggregator. There's a lot of, you know. You I'm into that. that too. I think either Nick way. Bonifert aggregates injuries. Thank you. But we should have me kind of just bash you around a little bit with a bat or something, and then I can see how long it takes for you to heal. Perfect. I will be the test dummy because seemingly <laughs> everyone on this podcast is just out to get me. <laughs> Good God. You try and you try and you put your heart into something, and then they all turn on you. Uh, get to your starts. Um, Jamal Williams, I think, is a very safe play for this game. Yay! Thank you, Clark. Uh, obviously, Aaron Jones, you're going to play. But when he's healthy, when Jamal Williams is healthy, he's seeing he's getting at least 40% of the snaps in the offense. It's back-to-back weeks now that he has scored a touchdown. Uh, the Chiefs are the allowing the 10th most points to opposing running backs. So we know that you can run on the Chiefs' defense. That has been a, the theme all year long. And I think that the Packers are going to do that. I understand that everyone's getting all hyped and excited because Aaron Rodgers threw for five touchdowns last week against the Raiders. I, it might come as a shock to you guys because it came as a shock to me. The Chiefs' pass defense is fourth overall by DVOA, um, according to Football Outsiders, which is surprising to me given that it's a secondary we love to pick on and uh, and think the worst of but so i wouldn't be shocked if this game plan is constructed around the run game something that matt lafleur loves to do and uh if that is the case and that probably will be the case we're going to see plenty of jamal williams and enough of jamal williams for him to reliably get you uh, fantasy production so so what 
you're right. He, he did hit the 40% uh, snap share last week, but I'm curious what you are starting him as. I would confidently start him as a flex. Uh, okay. And I think he has wide rec- uh, running back to upside, but I, you know, certainly I would start him as a flex. If you need a spot start at RB2, you know, if you are looking for, I don't know, a Zeke filler, that's not it. Who else is on a buy? So I am starting Jamal Williams because I've traded Matt Breida and Royce Freeman for Mike Evans. So I'm going to be a little desperate at running back. Kamara is uh, hopefully going to start with me, but the rest of my rest of my running backs are completely speculative. So if you're in a bad spot at running back, I think Jamal Williams is going to give you that 24 to 30 ish running back performance with the caveat of could pop off for a couple of touchdowns because running backs like Jamal Williams are catnip for coaches. Yep. 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 So, all right. I, that, that's all fair. And I, and I do think that he, that, that starting him as a flex is safe, but I, I was really encouraged as far as uh, uh, the touch dispersal went last week with Aaron Jones collecting 12 rushes to Jamal Williams uh, three um, Williams did out target him four to five and they both scored through the air. Uh, so uh, let's, let's take it a little bit further, Pete. And I, I think that this might actually be a, yeah, flex him, but this might be a good time to sell high. Yeah. Because the, the chiefs run defense is really bad. That's fair, but also for this. So is the chargers, ahead. the chargers that they play next is bad. And then, yeah, then they have a hit then they hit San Francisco after the bye, but then they play the giants and they play Washington. Chicago has been getting roasted on the ground recently. Uh, and then That's Minnesota fair. and Detroit to fair. So I, I, I don't think it's, I think you're, if you want to sell high on him after a big game this week, totally fair i think that's you do like that is not a bad thing to do you have a fantasy asset that people will want sell him for what he's worth but i also think that if you want to hold on to him because you're a sentimental kook and you love the fact that he uh he feels like a mermaid running through what what ground then uh i think there's still a good schedule for him up ahead and and it's just it's been come abundantly clear that the no matter how good Aaron Jones is and how much people want Aaron Jones to be the guy in Green Bay, that that's not how LaFleur is going to let this offense operate. So I think there will always be work for Jamal Williams. And it's just whether or not the matchup allows that work that he gets to produce numbers. Like I think he's always going to get somewhere between 10 to 15 touches per game. I think that's a consistent workload for him. It's whether or not he plays a matchup where that 10 touches can be 80 yards and a touchdown, or if that 10 touches is 20 yards. So there you go. Our week eight starts and sits. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss another start or sit show. My goodness. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Whole Nine Yards, uh, Fake Teams channel. Make sure to leave us a review. Give us five stars because you love us. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Hit us up if you have any start sit questions for the week. We're happy to help and we'll give you our best answer. You can follow myself on Twitter at Pete M. Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark, Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Enjoy week eight. Best of luck to everyone out there. Until then, peace.